Good morning, everyone. Greet you in Jesus' name. Takes a little longer to get up here from the back where I started from. We were babysitting for, uh, for Galen's, and the smaller your child, the farther back you sit is a little the way it works, I think. <clears throat> I really appreciated the, uh, the service Wednesday night. We had a, a uh, time of reflection. Uh, Sonny had a number of questions. How many questions were there? Was two thirty-some of questions. We read through them slowly, and we thought about them. And then there was a time to uh, to uh, look at those questions and jot down thoughts. <clears throat> and. If some of you, any of you weren't there and would be interested, uh, drop me a note. I can send you a PDF of the, of the questions. They were worthwhile. Had to do with our relationship with God and how, or what are things we could do to make it better and areas of our life that we're concerned about and relationships we're concerned about and it was, it was good. Well, there's a verse in, uh, in Micah 6, 8 that we, that we hear every once in a while. And it's a good verse to think about often, actually, but uh, to at this time of year, maybe especially if we're thinking through, uh, reflecting about ourselves and evaluating our lives and our walk. And this uh, verse says, he hath showed thee, O man, what is good. And what doth the Lord require of thee, but to do justly, and to love mercy, and to walk humbly with thy God. What is good? Well, God tells us what is good and what he requires of his people. He wants us to be fair, to be merciful, and to walk humbly with God. It's not enough just to be humble, to live a humble life, but he wants us to walk humbly with him. And when we walk with him, that does a whole lot to... Uh, give us an understanding of what humility is and helps us be humble. We want to think about Christian humility this morning. <coughs> Turn with me to Colossians, the third chapter. <clears throat> we'll look at a couple of verses there. <clears throat> Colossians 3, and we'll begin at verse... 12. Put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another, and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. 
humbleness of mind in there and a list of things, but really that Christian humility is so foundational with these other relationships and and forbearing and long-suffering and meekness and forgiving and dealing with uh, with conflict. Philippians 2, uh, several verses there, beginning at verse 3. Instructions for Christians, for disciples of Jesus. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Nothing, strife and vainglory should never be a motivation for our behavior, our actions, but relate to others in lowliness of mind esteeming others, considering others better than ourselves. Have the mind of Christ. And, and thinking of that, we're reminded of Matthew 11, where Jesus said, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and humble. I am meek and lowly in heart, walking humbly with God. Take my yoke on you, learn of me, and ye shall find rest. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus is the perfect model of humility. Now there is another model I'll read about him from Isaiah 14, beginning at verse 13. For thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the Most High. I will ascend. I will exalt myself. We recognize here this is about Lucifer, Satan, the Antichrist, the proud, the unhumble. And we, as uh, ever since the fall of man, we, we, mankind has known about that, that model, and has within us, within ourselves, our fallen nature, a, a tendency to not be humble the way Christ has called us to be humble and the way Micah preached God's message of humility. So humility is something that Christians should have, Christians should grow in and be concerned about because God is.
It's, it's very, a very close akin to meekness. And meekness is a response. It is a humble response to trouble, to mistreatment, to injustice. Humility is the character and the carriage, the poor in spirit, the beatitude. And true Christian humility begins with bowing before God, acknowledging God. And I wonder about those, those uh, men on the ship with Paul that we had in our Sunday school lesson from Acts 27 this morning. They were certainly not in control. The storm uh, was taking them wherever it blew. They could make decisions, but the storm was driving them. But in the course of that, that, uh, that voyage, if you can call it a voyage, they heard about God. And I wonder if by the time they arrived safely there on that island, even though they were wet and maybe had some injuries, I wonder if they felt a little bit like the sailors on the ship that Jonah leaped off of. There's something humiliating about and something that just uh, shakes a person's life, his confidence and trust. And here there's reference to someone else who might be greater than all this, greater than the storms. Certainly made an impression on the disciples on Galilee during that, that storm. Appreciated those, those uh, scriptures in the opening that Gary read this morning too. But Christian humility begins with bowing before God, acknowledging Him. It abides in a heart that has crucified self and pride. And when that has happened and Christ is reigning, then we're, we're able to see others around us in a different light. We see them as souls. We see them as people with needs. And we see them with a compassion and a mercy uh, and, and charity that we don't if we're proud. We don't see them as adversaries, as competition, as people to overcome or to measure up against. Christian humility is not natural. Pride is. Pride is self-centered, not God-centered. And proud people are self-conscious. And Christians who struggle with pride, and all of us have to some degree or other, it's a characteristic 
a characteristic of the of the old nature, that fallen nature. Pride looks at people, how do I compare? How do I measure up? A proud person may be haughty and arrogant and considering him, consider himself greater and smarter and wiser and stronger than others. Or a proud person may be anxious and frustrated and upset to be at the bottom and wishing to ascend higher. Different ways that pride comes out. Pride is not just being arrogant and superior, but it's, it's a, a self-centeredness and a me first and coveting higher. It manifests itself in boasting, putting oneself forward, whether quietly or noisily. It can be a response to uh, success and accomplishment. Look at me, look what I've done. I deserve admiration. It can also be manifested in self-pity. It can be a response to suffering and disappointment. Look at what I have endured. I, de I deserve to be sympathized with. Who has suffered like I have suffered? And many other ways that pride can manifest itself. But any measure of pride is falls short of giving Christ his rightful place. And, and we haven't seen God, don't know God as he really is. It also falls short in faith and obedience. And our view of God is limited. Our view of ourselves tends to be distorted. We're not seeing what God sees. Just like we don't see others as, as God does. The Laodicean church, they thought they were very well off. We'll not turn to that. But they thought they were very well off and in need of nothing. But they weren't well off. They were in terrible shape. They were poor and wretched and blind. They were a proud church. Proud people in that church. The psalmist wrote that the wicked have no fear of God before their eyes. For he flattereth himself in his own eyes until his iniquity be found to be hateful. Uh, <clears throat> this is Psalm 36, 1 and 2. He flattereth himself. Another version says it this way, that an evil man does not fear God for he is too proud to recognize and give up his sin. He flatters himself too much to be able to see himself. <clears throat> Proverbs 30, verse 12, there is a generation that are pure in their own eyes and yet is not washed from their filthiness. There is a generation Oh, how lofty are their eyes, and their eyelids are lifted up. 
I mentioned that pride uh, brings people to compare themselves with others. And Paul warned against that. He said that's unwise. That's a human tendency. In 2 Corinthians 10, 12, we dare not make ourselves of the number or compare ourselves with some that commend themselves, but they measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves are not wise. Just horizontal and looking among themselves and seeing how they measure up against each other. And that was really a problem with uh, many of the Jews in Jesus' day. Um, the Pharisees, many of the, uh, some of the Pharisees believed, the chief rulers believed on Jesus, but because of the Pharisees, they did not confess him, lest they should be put out of the synagogue, which would be a humiliating and embarrassing thing for a Jew. For they loved the praise of men more than the praise of God. That's where that pride put them. Jeremiah, in verse chapter 9, mentions three areas that are snares for man. Jeremiah 9, 23. Maybe you want to turn there. <clears throat> we'll refer to the next verse a little later. Jeremiah 9 and verse 23. <clears throat> Thus saith the Lord, let not the wise man glory in his wisdom, neither let the mighty man glory in his might, let not the rich man glory in his riches. We'll pause there. <clears throat> the wise man, the mighty man, the wealthy man, proud about those things. So men have a tendency to measure themselves against others in wisdom. And Paul wrote about that in 1 Corinthians 8, the first several verses. Now as touching things offered unto idols, we know that we all have knowledge. And here is the point that I wanted us to notice. Knowledge puffeth up, but charity edifieth. And if any man think that he knoweth anything, he knoweth nothing yet as he ought to know. But if any man love God, the same is known of him. So he's saying that uh, uh, wisdom, knowledge, learning without loving God, without acknowledging God, loving God, serving God, puffs up. It, it, it makes people proud. Knowing God helps us be humble, but that's a snare, smarts, wisdom. Another, he said there in Jeremiah, is uh, might or accomplishments. Look what I did. And King Nebuchadnezzar spake and said, Is not this great Babylon that I have built for the house of the kingdom 
by the might of my power and for the honor of my majesty. Not, not very humble statement that. Proud Nebuchadnezzar. But you know he came to acknowledge God. He, he got down on his knees. He got down on his hands and knees. And uh, he learned about God. But that's an area that men can be proud about. Another is wealth. In Deuteronomy 8, God warns the children of Israel to be careful lest when they get in the land and their flocks multiply, they have plenty of food, they have nice houses to live in, and they have silver and gold multiplied, and all that thou hast is multiplied. Be careful lest thine heart be lifted up and thou forget the Lord thy God. Pride. not acknowledging God. So those are areas that the Bible specifically mentions. In 1 John, <clears throat> and these areas could all be summed up in this uh, verse, in a couple verses in 1 John 2, verses 16 and 17. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passeth away, and the lust thereof. But he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. Now this pride of life, there in verse 16, according to Strong's, it is by implication, I copied this down, the means of livelihood, the means of livelihood, or as another source called it, material life. And there's a couple ways that this has been translated. Some understand it to be um, the object, that, this, that these are things that a person's wealth or possessions or even their social status or lifestyle is something they're proud of in itself. And they boast about those things. Another understanding is that it is, it produces pride. It, it makes us feel, it makes a person feel secure in their possessions and overconfident and not giving credit to God. And, and so there's a proud overconfidence uh, in themselves and what they're able to do. I believe the Amplified Bible um, makes a little more of that, that emphasis. But in either case, they're, they're both true, and both happen, and both are a snare that is of the world. And it is focusing on people that, it's about people that operate purely on a human level, and, and they don't have a spiritual dimension to relate to their existence. This is a person who loves the world, whose affections are centered on the world, and he has no special interest in God or spiritual things. The love of the Father is not in him. It says in verse 15, just before uh, 
the verse 16 with the pride of life in it. And there is a proud, the pride of position. And the disciples had that, that uh, discussion and argument. And who is the greatest? And the Pharisees and the scribes had that. And Jesus pointed that out in his teaching to the disciples. They do all the things they do to be seen of men. And they love the uppermost rooms and the greetings in the markets and the titles to be called of men, rabbi, rabbi. And there is pride of appearance. Some people walk into a room and they look around to see what clothes are there and how people look before they think about the people so much. But pride <clears throat> makes trouble. Let us not be desirous of main, vain glory, provoking one another, envying one another. It makes walls. It makes it hard to say, I was wrong, to say, I'm sorry. It tends to make people independent. I'm fine, thanks, I can do it myself. I don't really need you. It can be fuel for stubbornness. It's hard to take direction, to bow. It basks in attention. It has an ear for compliments. It tends to make one overly sensitive to slights and wrongs. Or it can tend to make people insecure. It can make them feel, make them overbearing tends to make people bothered about the gifts of others and the abilities of others and successes and the blessings and the friends that others have and on and on. Christian humility. <clears throat> we noticed the, uh, the three snares in Jeremiah 9, 23, verse 24 says, not to glory in those things, but let him that glorieth glory in this, that he understandeth and knoweth me, that I am the Lord, which exercise loving kindness, judgment, and righteousness in the earth. For in these things I delight, saith the Lord. And that's really... A, a, uh, the secret is meeting God, knowing God, the God that we are dependent on. You know, to, re to, to pray the Lord's Prayer with all sincerity and with our whole heart. If we started that prayer proud, we should come out humble by the time we say, Amen. If we really mean that prayer. We're grateful for God. Uh, <clears throat> I read that Hudson Taylor one time was the f famous missionary to China. He was to speak at a large church in Australia. And the moderator of the service 
was introducing the missionary in eloquent and glowing terms, this account described it. He talked about all his accomplishments in China and then presented Hudson Taylor as our illustrious guest. Hudson Taylor got up and he stood there quietly for a moment. And then he opened his message by saying, Dear friends, I am the little servant of an illustrious master. And what a difference that makes on our perspective. We talked about Nebuchadnezzar noticed what happened to him. How we noticed how proud he was and how God brought him low. And later he said, after he recognized God, he said, now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extol and honor the King of heaven. All whose works are truth and his ways judgment and those that walk in pride, he is able to abase. When God got Nebuchadnezzar's attention, God's, or rather Nebuchadnezzar's perspective on himself and his accomplishments changed 180 degrees. Job uh, became a more humble man. He said, I have heard of thee, this was, he said this to God, I have heard of thee by the hearing of the ear but now mine eye seeth thee, wherefore I abhor myself and repent in dust and ashes. My questions, my questions were, were not as respectful as they should have been, Lord. <coughs> David went in and sat before the Lord in the presence of God. And he said, Who am I, O Lord God, and what is my house that thou hast brought me hitherto? And this was yet a small thing in thy sight, O Lord God, but thou hast spoken also of thy servant's house for a great while to come. And is this the manner of man, O Lord God, and what can David say more unto thee? For thou, Lord God, knowest thy servant. For thy word's sake and according to thine own heart hast thou done all these great things to make thy servant know them. Wherefore, thou art great, O Lord God. For there is none like thee, neither is there any God beside thee, according to all that we have heard with our ears." Beautiful prayer, worship, and how different, how different the outcome would have been for Saul if he would have sat before the Lord with a heart like David's. Isaiah, woe is me, for I am undone. 
because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For, my, for mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Paul talked about himself in one of his testimonies and, and uh, God's blessing and work and mercy on him. And he says, this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. That's, that's a good perspective for us. We are sinners. Christ has saved us. These are men who saw God. They acknowledged God for who he is, the great and powerful ruler over all, the judge of mankind, merciful to repentant ones. And they saw themselves. That's what we need. Bow down thine ear, O Lord, hear me, for I am poor and needy. Psalm 86, 1. Another prayer. Hearken to me, ye that follow after righteousness, ye that seek the Lord. Look unto the rock whence ye were, are hewn, and to the hole of the pit whence ye are digged. The publican, remember, standing in the temple. God, be merciful to me, a sinner. The solution for the Laodicean church was to open the door to the one knocking. Allow Jesus to enter and fellowship. The rest of Matthew 11 28, come learn of me. It's not just in coming, but in learning of him. And to be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. It's not enough just to not be like the world. God wants us to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. We're to have the mind of Christ toward one another. Mind not high things, but condescend to men of low estate. Be not wise in your own conceits. If I then, your Lord and Master, have washed your feet, ye also ought to wash one another's feet. When we... Uh, as we grow in our relationship with God and as we walk humbly with our God, we see ourselves more, more clearly. We see where we fit in the body and where we fit with others as part of the body and we can appreciate others and we're grateful for their gifts and grateful for their abilities. And we're pleased at the successes of others. And we can genuinely thank them for their contributions. 
and we're okay with them doing better than we at a job. And credit is not the issue, but service for the kingdom and glory for the king. The Lord is against the proud. The Lord will destroy the house of the proud. For everyone that is proud in heart is an abomination to the Lord. God resisteth the proud. These are scriptures. And whosoever shall exalt himself shall be abased. The Lord is against the proud. But the Lord blesses the humble over and over. The Lord is nigh unto them that are of a broken heart and saveth such as be of an of a contrite spirit. And he that shall humble himself shall be exalted. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And that publican went down to his house justified, not the proud Pharisee, for everyone that exalteth himself shall be abased, and he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. God giveth grace unto the humble. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he shall lift you up. He hath showed us this morning what is good and what he requires of us. We notice from Micah 6, verse 8, to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with God. To walk humbly with God is a walk of faith. It's a walk of trust and obedience by the grace of God.